On this episode, I talk about my dad. I give some advice to a 14-year-old entrepreneur. And I talk about meetings. You ask questions and I answer them. This is the Ask Gary V Show. This is Gary Vaynerchuk and welcome to episode 41 of the Ask Gary V Show. I am in a tremendous mood this Monday morning because my New York Jets went out and stunned the Steeler Nation. You know, the Steeler Nation that rolled into MetLife Stadium yesterday. And look, I've got to hand it to Steeler fans. The way your team travels, and when you catch a team like my team that's really down in the dumps, there was over 50% Steeler fans in the audience yesterday and the reason I'm pausing is I'm trying to debate if I want to tell you of how nasty I was to all the Steeler fans around me and I was just nasty. So big win for the Jets. I'm in a good mood. Let's get into the show. Elliot asks, going personal, what are your pet peeves and what skill do you wish you were better at? Elliot, great question. Uh, My pet peeves are pretty basic, uh, meaning they've been there for a long time and uh, it's something I've talked about in the past if you've watched uh, any of my keynotes or the show, I think I've sprinkled it in, but I wanted to kind of address it. It's really funny. I'm even pausing right now. I'm buying myself time because the second part of your question, what would I like to be better at? Is, is a struggle for me to come up with and maybe that's the answer in itself. We'll get to that in a second. But pet peeves are, are clearly hypocrisy and cynicism. I, I hate the cynicism in the marketplace. Steve feels it's a, it's a must-needed thing and I respect that. But I won't focus on that because we've done that in the past. It really is hypocrisy. I, I have family members, I have people I've done business with who are so so hypocritical, it it kills me. They literally like talk, and by the way, the reason I answered this question is a lot of you in the comments and a lot of you listening on the podcast right now that are interacting with me, you talk a good game about community. You know, I've been doing a little bit of digging. I've been thinking about making kind of this slide share, which, uh, oh, by the way, link up the slide shares. We haven't done some linking up in a little while. Linking up is is a much needed thing. Um, The slide shares that I put out. Uh, I've been thinking about doing a a slide share on, on Bullshit. The the hip, hypocrisy of people tweeting like be in your uh, be in your community, engage with your community, you know, give for your community, and then you look at their Twitter feed, four thousand seven hundred and thirteen tweets all time, and nine at replies. I have a lot of pride with my at reply ratio, and so those two things really stick it to me. What would I like to be better at? Look, you've all heard me, if you're hardcore fans, that I say that I'm 99% of things I suck at. And I believe that. There's a lot of things I'd like. I mean, I'd like to be able to, look, I'd like to be able to sit down and read something for more than two minutes and actually concentrate and do it. I mean, this poor crew and show them, because I want to show how poor the crew is, and I don't mean financially, I mean how I feel bad for them, because they send me these nice long emails, and then literally after the fourth time they send it, I'll reply and just say, let's just meet for five minutes, because it's so audio for me, and I, I struggle to consume and there would be a lot of efficiencies if I was better at consuming. So kind of that, that ability to concentrate on things that are not that important. Take that the way it was meant, guys. Which is, you know, I can concentrate on a one, two percent kind of variable, but I struggle when I think things are important, but not that important. Amanda asks, what ways can agencies make staff meetings more productive? I 
Amanda, I love this question. Uh, by the way, I just took my wedding ring off. Big week for me, turned 39 and have my 10th wedding anniversary this week. Thursday is the wedding anniversary, Friday is my birthday. That's right, at midnight at my wedding, the whole wedding party sang me happy birthday. That's how I roll. Amanda, uh, Amanda, right? Amanda, great question. The best way to make meetings more efficient is to cut them in half, to cut them in, <laughs> to cut seven eighths out of them. The amount of bull crap that goes on in a meeting, the setup, this and that. One thing I've just noticed, I hired a couple of very senior executives recently, uh, three or four SVPs, very senior people here at Vayner, and to a T, each of them have come up to me and said, wow, your meetings are so weird. You know, they're five minutes, they're 10 minutes, they're 15 minutes, because most of it doesn't matter. This has become the theme of this show, it just doesn't matter. Um, So I think one of the best ways to make it efficient is to cut them in time. One of the things that I realize is that people will fit, you know, 10 pounds of crap into a 10 pound bag. You give them a 15 pound bag, that's what they fit it into. They don't overfill. What I mean by that is, if you have a one hour meeting, if we have a one hour meeting, we'll fit what we need to get into that into that hour. We'll banter a little bit, we'll go a little bit deeper, but if we cut that same meeting to 15 minutes, we'll still accomplish that and we've saved the 45. So the answer to your question is restrictions. Create a mandate for the length of the meeting. Hi, Gary, my name is Brent Wampler and I was actually born in Russia like you were as a baby. I'm 14 years old and here's my question. I wanna be an entrepreneur when I get older, but I don't know where to start. Like what action should I be taking right now as a kid? Thanks. B, listen to me. First and foremost, by asking this question and knowing what the Ask Gary V show is, you're putting yourself in a position to be an entrepreneur. I like that. What I don't like is the question because what you should know if you're a purebred entrepreneur, so wanting to be an entrepreneur versus being an entrepreneur are two very different things and I have no interest in giving the medicine to a 14 year old especially because I gave the medicine to a 14 year old Steelers fan yesterday and it wasn't pretty and I'm not proud of it. On this show is probably the second most competitive place I live in and so what I want to tell you is this, look, if I were you, I would sell that Under Armour sweatshirt that you're wearing in the video to some other kid in the neighborhood. I would go back in the woods in the video that you just had and find some rocks and sell them to some nine-year-old girl. That's what I did. I was that raw. Now, we're not all the same. What I'm trying to tell you is the best way to become something is to act like something. So you want to be an entrepreneur? Start acting like one. Meaning, start a business, start selling things. Both will work. Or find a mentor. Find the 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kind of entrepreneur in your neighborhood and start helping her or him out for free just to learn the hustle, to taste the game. You've got to put yourself in the position. There's no reading about entrepreneurship. There was a question today that came through for Ask Gary Vee that said, Gary, name the first, name the four best business books you've read this year. And I laughed my ass off because I don't think I've read four books in my life and definitely not four business books. And so there's no reading, my man. There's doing and so sell the shirt off your back. TJ asks, as a fellow son of immigrants, when you were 25, how did you overcome fear of not doing as much or not having it as hard? TJ, this is a great question. In life, there's certain things that you can control and other things that you can't. One of the things that um, really stand out to me is how much I, this is something I've rarely shared. I think I've shared it once or twice. Stunwin, keep me honest here. I'd be curious if you know. I think I've talked about it once or twice. I often, when I was 18 years old, would call my mom while I was in college and cry, literally cry, like a baby. Get that emotional about the fear that 
at that point I thought I was going into the family business, right? I was in a crap college. <laughs> I was all in. I was going home every weekend working. And I had a huge fear that I was never gonna get the credit I deserved as being, this is you know, the confidence inside, by going into my dad's business because everybody would always say that Sasha gave it to me, that my parents, look, there's even, our, in Crush It, there's even negative reviews on Amazon of like, oh yeah, but his dad gave him a $3 million liquor store. Now, you know, as, uh, I underestimated people's knowledge that a $3 million revenue liquor store is not a $3 million grant uh, and things of that nature. And then obviously my skills, I, I said recently in an episode, a lot of you caught it and tweeted it, the truth is undefeated. If I was gonna be a great businessman, I would get the credit that I desperately clearly wanted at that age and still at this point do because the, the, the narrative does matter to me, not just the dollar results. Um, <clears throat> and, so, and so it's interesting, this question really struck a chord because I remember not only having that feeling but I had a separate feeling which is the answer to your question. The answer to your question is very simple. One, I knew that I would never have it as tough as my parents so what I did was I had to execute against that privilege. Executing against your privilege is the only thing that you can do. I remember two things that stand out for me. One, growing that family business. I wanted to pay back my parents as quickly as possible. I, the greatest two feelings I have in my body as an entrepreneur answer this question. One, the fact that me and my parents walk around and all feel like we've given to each other. I paid back, right? I built such a big business that it helped them as much as it helped me getting that at bat. And number two, the day my dad a couple of years ago, maybe 18 months ago, said to me that I work harder than him. And that was a good feeling. That was something I, I, I wanted because that was another way to pay back my privilege. The fact that my dad sacrificed his entire life working to set up the foundation where our family is going is something I wanted to pay back by doing the same. Now look, to pay that back, I also want to have a better work-life balance and spend more time with my kids, something he wasn't able to do. So there's other things besides just working hard. But the fact of the matter is, the only thing you can do is to execute against your privilege. Hey, Podcast Nation, it's me, your boy. Sorry, I just felt like saying that. Your boy Gary Vee, uh, still said it. Uh, just some extra footage for you guys. Uh, I don't know if footage is appropriate in auto land, but uh, no, right? So what can I call it? A- a- extra audio Anyway, just listen to this stuff. This is extra stuff for you guys. Uh, we're gonna take some of the in-between stuff and start playing for it. I hope you enjoy it. Hit me up with a hashtag AskGaryVee podcast to give me your uh, feedback on this extra stuff. Thing we need to think about, like that was a new thought for me. Like concentrating on 2%, struggling to concentrate on 98%. People always ask me, how do I scale? That's probably the answer, right? Like it's like, like I know there's something in there. I know that the answer is somewhere dug in why I don't pay attention to things that everybody else around me does and thinks is the most important thing and I'm like, it doesn't matter. AJ used to get so mad when, when, and Kelly like in our meetings early on building Vayner, I'm like, that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter. And it's frustrating when like, you've gotta get them done. Like for you guys, it's the number one thing that matters. It's like, hey, I'm like, I tell you, I'm like, get this shit done, Alex. And you're like, cool. And then you email me and I'm like, you know, like it's hard, but there's some, that is how I'm scaling. Anyway. Remember sticker books? Not like stickers like you collected. Remember the ones that were like official? Like it'd be like a movie and you'd buy the sticker packs and you'd get a number and you'd stick it into the scene. You remember that? I made one out of paper and post-its and sold like $8 worth of stuff to her. Like I took all her money. Sorry, Isabel. (laughs) Joy asks, what social media techniques do you think work best for promoting a book?
Joy, I was excited about answering this question because I was gonna go tactical, but then Steve reminded me that I've answered this a bunch in the past and I want to give that context too because he's right and I wouldn't have answered it, so kudos to Steve for making the show better. When selling a book, you need to be selling it months and years in advance. I am actively right now selling the Ask Gary B book. Let me explain. I'm putting out content and I'm jabbing and I'm building an audience and I'm building a lot of new fans. As a matter of fact, question of the day, going right into it. How long have you been following my work? Please leave that in the comments. Podcast people, jump out of the earphones and jump onto the keyboard and go to YouTube and answer this question because I want a lot of people in the Vayner Nation to see how many people are only two, three, four, five, six weeks in because this show is getting virality, bringing people in and then thus creating a scenario where, <laughs> I was just thinking about what, what, what's the scenario? Got excited. Anyway, <laughs> creating a scenario where I'm bringing value up front. I'm not charging for this. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not trying to make a gateway to a product. No, I'm just building leverage. And then when I launch in early 2016 the Ask Gary B book, which is probably going to be 100 to 200 of these questions that I've done over the last year or two, if I can get that far. That was a little bit of a gateway drug preview to how many episodes I'm expecting to do. Um, and two, a bunch of new questions, and three, this kind of cool idea I have. Um, a lot of people here who've watched every show don't really need to buy the book, right? I mean, you've consumed it, but at 18 bucks or 22 bucks, they will because I've guilted them into it because I've provided so much of value. And so number one, you need to provide value upfront before you ever sell your book. Let me get into some tactics. One-on-one marketing. One of the biggest mistakes so many authors make is they send out a bulk email and it usually says this. Hey guys, I never normally do this. I mean, that's my favorite. You like that, Zach? I never normally do this, but I have a book coming out next Wednesday. It would mean the world to me. Why? They want to be efficient. People want to scale. What I did last August was I went to Connecticut with my family and I one by one by one by one by one wrote emails to people that I wanted to help. Alex in 12 years. Alex, hey, remember, I really gave you a break in your career. You know, we're great buddies. Hey, nice job last week. I'd really appreciate your help on this book. Can I count on you? And I basically went one by one by one and scaled the unscalable and what it created was a landfall of a lot of opportunity. The other thing is you have to assess the market of exposure. That year, August last year, the podcasting was really starting to happen, right? And so I wanted to really focus on that. So I went and I did a ton of interviews with all the emerging podcast people because I knew that was the arbitrage. And what I mean by the arbitrage was a place where you would get bigger return on your investment than other places based on its exposure. So whereas three years ago I'd want to be in the Huff Post and guest blog post, that played itself out because Forbes opened it up and a lot of other people did that move, but the podcast thing was starting to grow and now there's so many more podcasts, so much more competition for those earbuds that it's changed a little bit. It's not as valuable to be a guest as it was a year ago because of the game unless a certain podcast over-indexed and there's more and you keep playing this. So it's really tactical stuff like that but it's really about scaling the unscalable. The, the truth is you've got to get to somebody's emotion, right, so that it goes from heart to brain to wallet, right? Heart to brain to wallet. Oh, I like that. That could be a really nice picture. Let's maybe a t-shirt. Heart, can you make a t-shirt? Anyway, heart to brain to wallet is kind of the way I think about selling books. First you gotta give, get them emotional, then you gotta make them think there's a value prop and you've gotta story tell to them why they should buy your book, what's in it for them above the fact that they feel that they owe you and then that's when they start pulling out their wallet and so I do that one by one by one by one and when I do interviews, one of the things if you go back and listen to all the podcasts, Lewis Howes, Pat Flynn, 
JLD, any of those people. When I was doing those interviews, I barely mentioned the book. As a matter of fact, when they asked me questions of the book because they were good guys and they wanted to get me exposure, I'd walk away from it because the only thing I wanted to do in those 30 minutes was provide as much value for that audience as possible because that's the first step, the heart. Thanks for watching episode 41 of the Ask Gary V Show. Clearly, I've asked a question today, and more importantly, clearly you can tell I yelled my ass off because my voice sounds weird. You keep asking questions, I'll keep answering them.